welcome to Reverse Sequels. My name is Ellie, and with me, as always, is... Patrick. And on today's podcast, we're talking about The Jewel of the Nile, Part 2, where we discuss the original Romancing the Stone. That's right, Romancing the Stone is about Joni Wilder, a romance novelist who gets caught up in a wacky adventure in South America where her sister, whose husband was just murdered, has now been kidnapped, and the only one that can rescue her is Joni, who has been sent a treasure map that she's going to exchange for her sister's life. I like that you call that a wacky adventure. <laughs> her sister's husband was murdered and dismembered, and now her sister's being held captive and was kidnapped by people who might do the same. Well, uh, this movie is weird because I do feel like it's a wacky, zany comedy, and there's some super dark elements yeah. to it. But there are some funny parts, too. <laughs> Right. You know, the second one I thought had more of a problem with being totally tonally inconsistent. But this one kind of did too. I actually kind of want to like say this right off the bat. This is a first-time screenwriter. It's the only movie that was ever made from one of her screenplays. And I do think that it's weird. Yeah, I think that there are weird plot holes. There are weird kind of, what is this in a movie? But I almost like that. Right. I think Why it's kind of cool. Is that what made it wildly popular? I was think so. Was that it was so. fresh and original? I think so. So the story is that this woman, Diane Thomas, this was her first screenplay. And the legend is that she was a waitress and she pitched her screenplay to Michael Douglas when he was a customer at this restaurant. Oh, this is another Michael Douglas production. <laughs> Right. And he loved the pitch so much that he bought it and agreed to produce it. It's possible that it was just sent to him by her agent, and that's not a true story. But either way, he read it and liked it, and he liked that it was a fresh voice. So it is a fresh voice, but then it does make a bunch of weird stuff. A zany comedy with brutal murders. That's how I like my comedies. (laughs) It's not a comedy unless there's some brutal murder. The poor janitor who gets stabbed early on. For no reason, yeah. Yeah, like, they never went back to it. Is anybody going to mourn this poor, the super in this building? Well, let's get into it. This movie paralleled the sequel, which we didn't realize. The sequel paralleled the original in so many ways. It opens up with a Western intro. We're getting another romance novel kind of introduction that's introducing us to Joni Wilder and her whole world that she creates. I I actually thought that one was better. Yeah, than the pirate ship. This is kind of a hard position because I want to talk about what we got right and what we got wrong. But I don't know if if we should include this part because it almost begins with a never could have predicted. Yeah, it does. Except I almost had this in wrong because sometimes I think we should be wrong if there's something we should have predicted, but we failed. And I think it was so obvious we should have known it would also open with a romance novel intro. You think so? I think so. I don't know that I'm going to count that wrong. (laughs) I see your point. I see your point. But I'm going to say never could have predicted. I'm counting it as a half wrong. Okay. As a maybe could have predicted. Okay. So what should we start with? We got to start with What we got wrong. I got a lot wrong. (laughs) I got a lot wrong. Well, it was hard. It was really hard to do. I mean, I did not predict the plot point about saving the sister at all. A lot of my wrong centers around Michael Douglas's character. 
I thought he was going to be a gambler. I thought he was going to have a partnership with Danny DeVito's character, Ralph. I thought that he was going to get kidnapped or swept up with Joan Wilder. None of that happened. Right. And I I fault Jewel of the Nile for that. Because we don't really get any insight into his character at all, except for the one line where he said, like, I'm in the gambling business. Right, which was fairly odd. Because in this movie, he's not. No, so now I'm thinking back, and I think maybe it was a throwaway line where he doesn't really have a job, so he didn't want to say what he did. He just wanted to go gamble. Or maybe he it was had a joke. all that sweet jewel money, and he is a gambler. Now he's a gambler? Yeah, it's weird. So, yeah, we based a lot around him possibly being a gambler. That was wrong. And I also think that the relationship with Danny DeVito, they make it seem in the sequel like like these are old friends. And in the original, they really only even meet each other towards the end of the movie. And they don't spend that much screen time together. So where this frenemy relationship came from, I don't know. Because all the chemistry they have in the second one is not in the first one. Right, it's very puzzling. Something else that I got wrong was I thought that Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner might have met each other before they got swept up into the hijinks. But no, they meet at that very moment. Yeah, I didn't guess that Michael Douglas and Danny DeVito would have already been in Columbia. That was the thing that I didn't That predict. was yeah. really a surprise. I Threw me for a loop. It never could have predicted. Yeah, maybe. Also, the main bad guy, which we have to discuss the bad guy and Danny DeVito's character because I'm very confused they should have been partners um (laughs) I thought he was going to be an artifact seller dealer other gambler but no he was just they called him the butcher like a dictator military guy right well I think he's he's the head of the secret police so I think he's the dictator's henchman I guess I what was his name Dr. Zolo 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 is such a weird character. I think we'll get more to him and never could have predicted. But yeah, he's not the drug kingpin. Those are most of my wrongs. I do have a lot of never could have predicted that I'm counting not as wrongs, but I'm counting as (laughs) never could have predicted. Yeah, I mean, the wrong I had was just, I mean, the whole plot, the whole that she goes to (laughs) Columbia voluntarily. Although there was a kidnapping involved, but it wasn't her. Yeah. And then I also, I went out on a limb and said it's not going to feel like an 80s movie. Man, it really did. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of 80s technology. There was smoking indoors. In the first two minutes, we saw breasts during that (laughs) Western scene. I have that in my never could have predicted. That's a nod to the 80s. (laughs) 80s movies love their boobies. That's true. Yeah, this definitely felt like a product of its time. For sure. Any more wrongs? That's all I had. All right, for for what I got right, I feel pretty good about because it's main characters and setting. So I think that's good. I predicted they would start in New York and then go to Columbia. Kathleen Turner would be an established writer. We'd see a little bit of her backstory. I think we both agreed that she would be single and loveless. Right. Or like a hopeless romantic. Yeah, I think that was pretty obvious. Which she corrected in the movie and said she's a hopeful romantic. <laughs> right. They do a really good job in the, the opening scenes of setting up her singledom. She's having a celebration with her cat. Yes. She's crying so much that there's no paper anywhere in the house. No tissue. Also, I feel the treatment of her character, you know, it was very 80s. It was very sexist. She loves this Michael Douglas character, Colton, for no redeeming qualities. He has no good qualities whatsoever. 
and she's just head over heels with him. Yeah, their kind of initial conflict is just she's like, you're not a real man because she wants him to be like one of the men from her romance novels and goes on all these traits what a real man should be and he's not any of those. Then a few scenes later, I don't feel like he exhibits any of those qualities, but she's just kind of like, well, you're here. You're here. I'm (laughs) (laughs) Good enough. I'm smitten with you. Yeah, she spouts all this lovey-dovey stuff, and I don't know where it's coming from. Because he saved her? You know, is this like a white knight scenario? I did not like it. No. That might actually even be a thing that I got wrong, because I kind of thought there was going to be this conflict that she's this educated professional woman, and that he's like kind of a playboy asshole. I mean, they do fight. There is that kind of, of course, like they don't get along at first. But it's not exactly how I thought it would go. I don't feel like she's as intelligent and professional no. as she, she should have been. Yeah. She's, she's a not, famous author. She's not played that way. She's um, played as kind of a ditzy, like, love-struck teenager. Her cat is named Romeo? Yes. Yeah, I feel like they did her a disservice. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's not really a playboy. He's just kind of greedy, I guess. But he's actually... The worst. (laughs) And I'll get into why. All right, anything else for your rights? There was a racial slur. Oh, well, see, I put a generalized, this would make me uncomfortable. (laughs) And it did. Yeah, big time. So there were lots of moments where I was uncomfortable watching this. Not as bad as the sequel, but... Sure. Not good. Oh, yeah, definitely not good. (laughs) All right. Should we get into what we could have never predicted? Yes, please. Here's my biggest never could have predicted. Although, uh, I knew this and then forgot it. What do you mean? That Robert Zemeckis directed this movie. Oh. So, obviously, Robert Zemeckis is a huge director. Back to the Future, one of my favorite series. I mean, one of the best sequels. Well, second favorite now after Romancing the Stone, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I, So, I sort of did know from the lore of Back to the Future... That this was his first big hit movie, and this was kind of the reason he was able to make Back to the Future. Um, so yeah, never could have predicted... Robert Zemeckis' joint. Especially since the second one was directed by some guy named Louis Teague, yeah. who his next biggest credit was a Dukes of Hazard made-for-TV movie. Uh, you already mentioned this one, but boobs in the first couple minutes, that I never could have predicted. Didn't seem like it was going to be that kind of movie. And then... There was actually some great writing in the beginning when she is going on and on about all the things that this bad Western guy had done to her. And then one of them was, and stole my Bible. Oh, yeah. The beginning was kind of funny, kind of tongue-in-cheek, even though it was this horrible, like, violent cowboy scene. So it did have a nice setup. The fact that she couldn't find any tissue in the house was really funny, and she had a post-it note about buying more Kleenex. (laughs) Yeah. Because she had no paper towels, no toilet paper, no Kleenex, nothing. She was all cried out. Right. Started off with a great setup. Yeah, it was pretty good. Then we find out that her sister's husband had been murdered. We find out she has a sister named Elaine who lives in Columbia. I want to know more about Elaine's life. How did she wind up there in the 80s? Uh, So this is where the movie almost lost me. Because it starts off pretty well, pretty well structured. And it's like, okay, we get it. Novelist, she's a single professional woman. Then it's like, wait, her sister's husband was murdered? But, like, it had already happened. So, like, there's just a casual conversation with her publisher. And it's like, what's going on with your sister's dead husband? Yeah. (laughs) How's that murder case coming along? Yeah. 
Also, if your husband is murdered and cut up, wouldn't you leave Columbia? I really don't understand any of this part. Who was her husband? How did he get this treasure map that led to the stone? Why did he mail it to his sister-in-law in America? I think for safekeeping. I think that was the reason. He had to get it out of the country. But again, like, who was he? What did he do? Where did he meet this American woman? Was he also American? I, so many questions. So many questions about that. He was murdered over this treasure map? Like, what? You know what's weirder to me than all of that? Because I love a good treasure map movie. I'm in. <laughs> you have a treasure map, I'm in. I thought it was weirder that she goes to Columbia to give this map to her sister. She runs into Michael Douglas. And he's a rare bird salesman? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you said somebody might be selling rare artifacts, and it was almost pretty close. Yeah, he's like an importer of exotic birds. Very odd choice. Very odd choice. And then, so what's his backstory? He's like a, a bum, but like he, he's living out in the wilderness on his own, trapping exotic birds. Also, he could buy a sailboat? Right. They say, like, he came to Columbia on a boat as part of some kind of expedition how did he get into the exotic bird importing business but he also said these birds are worth like two thousand four thousand dollars right shouldn't he be able to buy a boat after like a year if he's capturing (laughs) all these birds well maybe things keep going wrong but also what else was he doing because he's like oh i have run-ins with the cops all the time does he have a house anywhere is he a bum if he has the wherewithal to live in the jungles of Colombia and trap exotic birds, how is he also a lazy bum? I'm very confused. <laughs> I never I never considered that he was a bum. But it's true, he never says anything like, let's go back to my house. Right. It's they just... hole up in a cargo of a crashed plane. Yeah, the whole time they're just in hotels and makeshift structures. He's one of those, he's like a transient. <laughs> you know, he just flits from place to place. I guess so. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Is there's all these weird holes in the movie of like, who are these people? And I don't know that they're. I see. It's funny you call them holes. I just maybe I wouldn't, but there were just so many things that didn't quite make sense that I fill them holes. I agree with you. I'm in on a treasure map movie. I just wish that the treasure map didn't come from her sister's husband who was murdered for it. You know what I mean? That's like right. She's too close to the action then. I want her to be a, just a random person who gets caught up in an adventure. Right. Yeah, I agree. I don't even know where to go from here. Because she goes from New York. Her house gets ransacked. I think by Zolo himself. <laughs> Zolo is going himself. Even though he's the head of the secret police and commands an army. He's like, I will go to America myself. And if anybody gets in my way, I'll stab them. Right in the hallway. Yeah, then he kills that poor landlord. She decides she has to go to Columbia. I also thought the kidnappers in this movie were the best. You thought the kidnappers were the best? I mean, in the fact that they were the most honorable kidnappers, they're good guys. That's true. They didn't want to hurt anybody. They right. just wanted that stone. They just wanted the stone. They just wanted the map. So, and we'll get to that part, but the exchange of the sister and the map, like, was so funny to me. Yeah, right. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Because they just wanted that stone. But, I mean, who are these guys? They're just two scumbag cousins who are living in Colombia doing scumbag shit? Oh, so you're talking about Danny DeVito and his cousin Ira. (laughs) Danny DeVito's character's name Ralph. Yeah. He just plays like a cartoonish scumbag. And they somehow know to kidnap this woman? Like, how did they find out about the stone? There's another weird scene towards the beginning where I think she goes to her sister's house to give her the map. Maybe that's when she discovers she's been kidnapped. But a child steals her car? And I don't know if he was a plant from Zolo or from the cousins, or if he was just a street urchin who wanted a car. <laughs> no, he he for sure kidnapped her to bring her to Ira and Ralph. But he was like nine. Right. I had written in my notes, because I wanted to save this, I was going to try to work it in organically. Why was this, this not organic? <laughs> He put the kid in Kidnapper. Oh, very nice. <laughs> now that I say it out loud, not as clever as I thought. Wait, I like when it. When I wrote it down. Because <laughs> there's just like a nine-year-old kid playing in the alley, and then the sister leaves her house in her fancy car, and he's like, gotta kidnap this woman. And yeah. then he gives her to Ira. Which is real weird, because he just kind of shoves her over and steals her car, but she's unconscious? I mean, she'd probably faint it. There's a scene later in the movie where she faints. Maybe she's an easy fainter. Okay. She's okay. shocked. She's like, I'm being robbed by a child. My husband was just murdered. I'm still hanging out at home like nothing happened. Do you think the sister knew about the map? Who? I The sister doesn't ever say anything. I don't know what the sister's story is. Who is she? Who's her husband? Yeah. There's a lot of good, like, that's a whole other mystery story. And um, is the, the sister's nowhere to be seen in the second one. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe she's safe and sound. Who I guess knows? so. You notice the mystery story I want is the police investigation of the murder of that landlord. When they're like, oh, he was murdered right outside this door. And the woman who lives here just got on a plane to Columbia. Right. Is she And her whole apartment was ransacked. I guess that's true. They would probably think it was a burglary in progress. Got interrupted. Maybe. But I would be suspicious of her. Right. Uh, anyway... We're in Colombia now. Right. Kathleen Turner doesn't know where to go. There's nowhere to turn. Nur. <laughs> That's worse than killing a kidnapper. She gets on the wrong bus. Oh. Because is okay, that Zolo? A billion questions about this. One, she gets on the wrong bus because Zolo tells her that this is the bus to Cartagena, which is where she needs to go, but it's not. But this is a guy who killed a super right in his own building. Why doesn't he kill her there and take the map? Right. Or just steal it from her. And then the other part that I was confused by was Danny DeVito is like skulking around trying to make sure she gets on the right bus. Is, Is Zolo trying to like divert her so they could kidnap her and the map? And Danny DeVito's trying to also get the map? These are two separate factions trying to get the map. Correct. How did Danny DeVito and Ira find out about the map? And how I did Zolo find out about the map? No clue. They never explain any of that. I could get, okay, Zolo works for the secret police. This is a government thing. Maybe this is a national treasure. Maybe they think it should be in the hands of the government. Sort of makes sense. Ira and Ralph are just greedy. Here's what I don't get. One, why does Zolo put her on the wrong bus? What is his plan? To get her in the middle of nowhere and then murder her? Yeah, I think so. Because that's what he tries to do. Then how's he going to get back? He knows the back roads. <laughs> then why is Danny DeVito there at the bus stop? Why is he following her the whole time? 
the whole time it seems like Danny DeVito is trying to steal the treasure map from her. But they kidnapped her sister to get the map, so why is he trying to steal a map that he already has a plan to get? It was very strange. I don't know. To put pressure on? What would he have done if he got the map from her? Would he? Would they have then just let the sister go? Why'd they do all this extra work? Because they've said they're not killers. They don't want to kill her. I know. It's a very strange... I guess maybe those are the stakes, then? She could either be in the hands of these, like, scumbag kidnappers or a murderer. So we kind of want her to be with Danny DeVito? I guess. I don't know. So, now we get to the point where we finally meet... Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Who is 40 years old in this movie. He looks like it. He looks a little... He looks, I like his hair better than in the scene. Yeah, and he... This is where we find out about his birds. His car gets hit by the bus that she's on. And he ends up saving her from Zolo. Yeah, he just shows up with a shotgun. Starts blasting people. Right, and then they have to escape. There's an elaborate chase. And they wind up in a cargo plane that has crashed. Oh, you're going right to the cargo plane. Yeah, why? <laughs> no, I mean... I agree with you. All that happened was just a lot of chasing. Chasing through the jungles. You know what I don't like? Is that there's a part where she has to get across a ravine. And she swings on a rope. And then he swings on a rope after her. But in the movie poster, he's swinging across the rope and she's holding on to him. Uh-huh. That didn't happen. She right. swang first. She swang first. I like it. <laughs> but that's one of the problems of this movie. Oh, gosh. I'm really struggling with one of our final questions. I really am deliberating. <laughs> all right, in the cargo plane, they find a lot of pot, they burn it for warmth, they have all this talking. This is apparently where they're falling in love. He says his name is Jack T. Colton. She asks him, what does the T stand for? And he says, trustworthy. And this is gonna be a theme throughout the rest of the movie. But here's one of my questions. Is that really his middle name? I kept expecting there would be a scene later where she was like, seriously, what does the T stand for? Right. And he tell her the real... Is his name really Jack Trustworthy Colton? I don't think so. Here's my question. We just never find out what his middle name is. I mean, maybe on their marriage That license. bothers me. <laughs> what, do you think he's trustworthy? Well, I mean, this will have to get into another one of my plot holes. There's this whole thing where he is trying to get the map from her to make a Xerox copy of it. Which He's, is so 80s and funny. Great product placement for Xerox. They asked for a Xerox machine like a At every hotel, yeah. Did he ever make a Xerox? Because they never go back to it. And there's a scene where they're making love in the hotel. He takes the map from under the bed and puts it back in her satchel. Right. Now, was he hiding it under the bed to protect her? Or no, 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 no. was he stealing it? I feel like there's a little bit, if we're being generous of push-pull, is he trustworthy in protecting her, or is he... My biggest question is, is he a heel or a hero? I think he was not trustworthy at first. But, well, there was some push-pull. At all, at all. No, I think once he had sex with her, he became trustworthy. No, I disagree. I think they had this whole big conversation, I think, like, mid-penetration. Yeah. He was laying on top of her, and they had this big old conversation. Mid-penetration. And I saw thrusts. Like, they had this whole discussion... During sex. And she's like, why do you want to go get the stone so bad? We, what about my sister? I don't want to just take the stone. And he's like, oh, of course. Of course we're going to get your sister. Wait. And that's when he goes and grabs the map and puts it back in her bag. Because I think he was totally going to run off with the map, get the stone, leave her behind, get his boat. But once he was mid-penetration. 
No. He, that all changed. See, we got to talk about that whole lovemaking scene because there were three people in that scene. Who was the third one? What? It was Kathleen Turner, yeah. Michael Douglas, and that photo of a boat. <laughs> I think he was talking to the boat the whole time. And <laughs> Kathleen Turner was just a proxy <laughs> for did. his lovemaking. He did? In the middle of the sex, start talking about his boat. It was real no, weird. talking to the boat. Yeah. He put the picture up. He's looking at it. And he said, we're going to go away together. We're going to have a great time. I've never hurt you. And he's looking at the boat the whole time. And he's just using her. At one point, she looks at the boat and says, I want to be on that boat. I think this was some kind of weird boat orgy. Boat threesome. Yeah. No, I think that's the point where he turned. He no. put the map back. He he did put the map back. And then, and then they get the stone together. And then when they get separated... He's like, I will meet you in Cartagena, and he does. But he has the stone hidden away, and he's not going to give it up. Well, he wants to keep the stone if he can, but he still goes to meet her. Uh, He's icky. He could have taken off with the stone. No, I just don't like him at all. (laughs) Well, he doesn't have a lot of redeeming qualities. None. None, none, none. I mean, except his taste in clothes. He buys her a lovely outfit. So that scene in the fuselage or whatever that you're talking about has a couple things I really love. One, there's a copy of Rolling Stone with Elvis Costello on the cover. I looked it up. It's from 1982. Oh. So you're telling me that this guy who was flying the plane is a full corpse? Because they find his, like, rotted skeleton. By 1984? Yeah, I think so. two years? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Exposed in the jungle? I'm down with that. I didn't realize it was 82. I thought it was, like, 20 years earlier. No, I had to look it up because it was Elvis Costello. That makes Seems me feel too contemporary. so much better because this guy in his bag had that Rolling Stone magazine, bottle of Jack Daniels, and a thing of olives that, sh- <laughs> that they just eat. So they're only two years old. It makes me feel better. I thought they were 20 years old. Yeah. I don't. I mean, he had the Grateful Dead jacket, so I thought they were trying to make it seem like he was from the 60s, but then Maybe. there was a contemporary Rolling Stone. And then the only part of the movie that I really laughed at was when... Michael Douglas was like, oh, the Doobie Brothers broke up? And then she was like, how long have you been down here? Yeah. You didn't hear about the Doobies? <laughs> I guess it's, that makes more sense that he would be a bum. He's just has no he clue what's going on. He is a bum. He just wants to sail around the world. He has no ambition. Here's a question. Small question. If you met someone by chance and they had a treasure map, would you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. He really takes it at face value that this is a real treasure. Yeah, map. he's like, why are they after you? Oh, this map? Oh, the Corazon? Here's three things on it. This must be real. I'm a bum who lost all my birds. I might as well go for it? Yeah, maybe he just thinks, I got nothing else going on. Like, well, <laughs> I don't know if treasure maps were harder to come by in the 80s, but I feel like you could buy them at a lot of gift shops and stuff. I mean, he must figure if this woman is in the middle of the Colombian jungle, there must be some truth to it. She wouldn't have a fake treasure map. Why not? Why would she? For intrigue, for, you know, deception. I'm going to start carrying around a treasure map and see <laughs> if it Be careful, gets, you might get killed. It gets me into hijinks. The other thing I like about this scene is that there's just a comically long snake that Almost attacks uh, Kathleen Turner. Yeah. And then Michael Douglas has to kill it. We I think that look, turned her on. I think we have to look into that, though. I can't tell if that was a real snake or not. It looks real. 
That would be terrible if you really killed that snake. I want no animals harmed in the filming of this movie. I think that disclaimer is only for, like, cute furry animals. Oh. Um, I think it snakes. did turn her on, though. Yeah. I, it's, it's a big turning point after that. Her turning point is when he kills that snake. His is when he's having sex with her while looking at that boat. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, you know what? Maybe I will give this stone up. All right. This is also a turning point because he puts the idea in her head that why don't you just get the treasure and that's more of an incentive to get your sister back. Yeah, that makes no sense. Oh, why not? I thought that was fair. She's supposed to show up with the map and she's like, surprise, I stopped by the place and got the treasure already. Yeah. What? Because that's more incentive. I think it's more incentive for them to kill her and take the stone. Maybe. Maybe. But these are the nicest kidnappers I've ever seen in a movie. They are real sweet. Which I liked. <laughs> it was refreshing. I like because that fits more in with the kind of movie that it was for the most part. Right, the comedy. Right, but then there's Zolo just walking around brutally murdering people. Oh, I have a big question about Zolo. Did he murder the corn woman? I think so, yeah, he murdered an old woman. He took her around the corner. There's an old lady in this town shucking corn, and he goes up to her and says, have you seen the Americans? And she won't talk. And then he opens a switchblade? What's the gesture for that? Withdraws a (laughs) switchblade? Yeah. And takes her around the corner. Yeah, oh, he for sure killed that woman. If he killed the, the super, of course he killed this old corn woman. And then while they're in the town, I really like this scene. This was maybe my favorite scene. Oh, is this the scene where they meet Juan? Yeah, they go to this rich guy's house, Juan. He's not going to let him in. They're like, please, please, please. Pulls a gun on him. Yep. And then um, when he hears that it's Joan Wilder, he gets so excited. And he invites him in, and his whole house is this palatial mansion. <laughs> right. I mean, this was a little bit of, like, deus ex machina, where... Michael Douglas just happens to mention her name. And he's like, oh, I'm a huge fan. I have yeah. all your books. Come in. And I like that Michael Douglas does not know who she is. Right. He borrows one of the books. But Juan cracked me up because they do escape in his car that he calls the little donkey. And while they're in this high-speed chase, trying to escape Zolo and his machine guns, he's giving a tour of the village. <laughs> oh, yeah. That guy was He's the like, best. that's where my mom was born. That's the tree where this happened. <laughs> and I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, so that guy fun. was great. That whole scene was funny. But it it did feel weird like something was missing where he's like, oh, what? They told you I have a car? I don't have a car. And then the next thing you know, they're driving off in the car. Yeah. And I was like, wait, did I miss the part where... He's like, yeah. He somebody said, came in and said, hey, Zolo's here. You got to take off. He said, yeah, I have a little donkey. And he was being cheeky, so Um, I don't know. Okay. So with the help of Wanda's car, they escape, they get away, they go to this little town. This is where Michael Douglas buys outfits for the both of them. They go to a dance. They have a dance montage. And they have their first kiss. I actually thought the kiss was nice because they're kissing in the middle of the dance floor and everybody's dancing around them. And then that's when they go have the boat threesome. Yeah. Later, Kathleen Turner says... Well, she says to him, you were the best time I ever had. Was she talking about the sex or the adventure altogether? I think it's the adventure. I think this is what she's been looking for. I think very similar to Paddington. (laughs) Paddington? In Paddington, the mom can't find a face for her hero. Until the dad at the end does a redeeming thing and she can draw his face in. She's looking for her Jesse. Right, right, So right. she's saying, I need a Jesse, I need a Jesse. And she's finding her Jesse in 
Michael Douglas. Yeah, that's a great Paddington reference. What a callback. I mean, what a movie. <laughs> but I just, I just don't think there's anything good about him. No, not at all. I would have dated Juan. It's so forced. Yeah, Juan is where it's at. He's hilarious. But here's a question. Is Juan a drug dealer? Yeah, oh, 100%. Okay, so the difference is, and I think this is where they tried to make Colton redeemable, is he said, I sell birds, not drugs. I could do that, but I choose the birds because I'm trustworthy. Yeah. Is that, what, is that what we're supposed to hang our hats on? No. That he's a bird guy? <laughs> anyway. So they go, they find the stone. Danny DeVito shows up because he's been following them the whole time. Wait, oh, I have a moment about this. What? They use the treasure map. They find the stone. It's inside a ceramic bunny in like this deep cave in this well. It's very cool how it's hidden. Yeah. They go to break the bunny open because she's like, oh, in my novel, that's where I hid the jewel. So that's another weird thing. But then Michael Douglas is holding this enormous emerald. Huge emerald, yeah. Right over the water pit. Why wouldn't he at least draw back? <laughs> he looked like he was going to drop it right back in there. I was so stressed out. Because it looked cooler that way. I do think the stone delivered. The stone delivered. It was very impressive. How much do you think it was worth? Oh, I don't know. Did you look it up? I did the math. No, oh, I don't know anything about how much stones are worth. So... I'll guess $10 million. I looked it up, but there was no answer to how much is the stone worth in Romancing the Stone. But I did look up. Some people believe that that is an 800 carat emerald. Okay. And they said like after three or four carats, an emerald is usually worth like $100,000 per carat. Oh my gosh. So, and don't quote me on these numbers right now, but the math that I did said that this stone is worth $493,085,000. Damn. So it's like half a billion dollars. Now, adjusted for inflation, the stone today would be worth $1.1 I want to come back to that later because I got questions. So they get this $1.1 billion stone. Danny DeVito gets his hand on it. Why he's stealing it, nobody knows. Well, it's now that you know the value, you know why it's... I mean, I see so why. Coveted. Of course, I see why people would murder for it, but I just don't understand why Danny DeVito is stealing it from the people who are going to give it to him. Is he at odds with Ira? Oh, is he just getting it for himself, and he's going to double cross Ira? I mean, they have a contentious relationship, but I didn't think of that until just this moment. Oh, okay, I like that. All right, I'll buy that. But Zolo shows up at the same time with his whole army, so now it's a whole big chase. Luckily, Michael Douglas is able to get away with the stone. This is actually a pretty cool part. They drive their car into a river and down a waterfall. I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. So they get away, but now they're on opposite sides of this giant river. And this is where Michael Douglas says, I'll meet you in Cartagena. And then she shows up in Cartagena. She calls up Ira. She's like, I got the map. Where's my sister? And then he just gives over the sister. That was my favorite part. He said, Here, where's the map? Where's my sister? Here's the map. Here's your sister. See you later. Yeah. That's how it should be. <laughs> I've never seen that in a movie. Yeah. And He's just um, like, Here I go. appreciated it. Um, but then, of course, Danny DeVito shows up. Then Michael Douglas shows up with Zolo's men pointing guns at his head. Then what may be my favorite scene after one, maybe before one happens, 
You forgot to mention they're fighting for this jewel over a crocodile pit. Yeah, crocodiles feature very prominently in this movie. I don't know how prevalent they are in Colombia, but if this movie is to be believed, crocodiles are everywhere in Colombia. And I just loved that the jewel is in the hand of Zolo and a crocodile bites his whole hand off and it starts spewing blood everywhere. It was like a sketch comedy. Amazing. Yeah, so Michael Douglas has to give up the stone to save the sister's life. Zolo gets it, and then this crocodile just. But my out favorite of part is Zolo keeps fighting. He just wrecks oh, yeah. his stump and he keeps fighting. Then he gets Zolo's set on fire. Then <laughs> he gets stabbed. Like, Zolo is not going down. Then I think Kathleen Turner pushes him in a hole. Right, she, like, pushes him into an alligator pit. Which I like. I like that she's the one that. Off Zolo. But then here's where I also don't like Colton, is he goes after the alligator. He goes after the alligator. They seemingly part ways. Yeah, he's spending most of the time going for the alligator. And then when the cops show up, he's like, I I gotta go. He's like, I can't be around for the cops. And she's like, you're seriously leaving? And he's like, "Uh, you'll be fine, baby. And gives her a kiss and then jumps off. Right. And ditches her. And I guess we're to assume his whole plan was to get the money and meet up with her? No. I mean, this I don't understand if he... Because later on, he does come back in the end. They get back together. And he says, I couldn't stop thinking about you. So was his plan really to just leave? I think so. And then he missed her? I think so, too. And my thing is, when she goes back, she writes this adventure story as one of her books. Mm-hmm. Her publisher's weeping. This is the best one yet. She talks about the ending, which did not happen, about him meeting her at the airport. So she wrote her own happy ending. Right. But then he shows up uh, with a giant boat parked outside of her apartment in New York. Very sweet gesture. Right. And he's wearing alligator boots. He finally found the alligator and got the stone, we're to assume. So, I know you're excited about this series. What are your final (laughs) thoughts? I think it's one of those movies where I'm sure if you saw it in the time, it feels like a classic. Yeah. I really tried to like it. I think it missed the mark. I don't think it holds up. And it bums me out, yeah. Yeah, I just, I would never rewatch it. I don't (laughs) think it works as a romance because Michael Douglas is terrible. And it doesn't really work as an action movie. It's not funny enough to be a comedy. What is it? I don't know. Yeah. So he gets the stone that's worth $1 billion. And then by the sequel, he spent it all. I don't know that he spent it all, but they've been traveling around the world for six months. But, like, if he has spent it all, why would he care about getting another jewel? Like, why is he so excited? Oh, the jewel of the Nile? You've got a billion dollars to live off forever. he's greedy and he likes adventure. He has plenty of money. He's going to go to Greece in the second one. Yeah. The sequel just totally falls apart because uh, why is he such a dick? Why is he like, I'm leaving you to go to Greece? Like, what the fuck? Why did he come back to New York for her? sail across the world and then not support her in well like I said he never wanted to it was just passionate they just needed to end it after the six months yeah also where did this come from where she wanted to be a journalist none of that was in the first one true maybe it was her dream I was a different screenwriter for the second one well I'm gonna surprise you oh oh are you gonna say you like the second one better well, let's ask our two questions. All right, what did you like better, Jewel of the Nile or Romancing the Stone? I think I'm going to go Jewel of the Nile. you got to be kidding me. Why? Because...
because I like the evolution of Kathleen Turner's character. In Jewel of the Nile, she was a stronger, more assertive woman. She's writing on the boat. She said, I'm sick of this shit. She said, I'm going my own way. I want to be serious. In the first one, she's so naive and mm-hmm. weak. And I just thought her her character in the second one was so redeemable. He was terrible. But I think for her character, I like the second one better. Oh, man. I mean, okay. I get that. Uh, I'd have to go with the first one. I think if I was being forced to watch a movie, I just think it had a better director. The pacing was better. There were some scenes I appreciated more. Are you getting... You know, starstruck by the director, though. No, I think I think the talent was more evident in the first one. I thought this writing was better. It was just very clear that it was a totally different creative team on the first one. I just thought it wasn't as totally inconsistent. It wasn't quite as racist. I still like the second one. <laughs> I really disliked them both, but I think if right. I had to, I would go with the first one. I think if one was on TV and I was flipping the channels... I would stay longer on the second one. I think it, that's a good test. If you're flipping through channels, which one would you stay longer on? I think this one, I would be like, oh, is it almost the wand scene? Is it almost the sex scene? Is the alligator going to bite that guy's hand off? There'd be more to look forward to. I guess, Again, there was a lot of quality or more quality in the first one. But the second one, I liked Kathleen Turner's character. And I think that really made the difference for me because I found... Mm. Michael Douglas so terrible that I needed her to be strong. Yeah. All right, now, what movie did you prefer? The movie we saw or the movie you predicted? It would have to be the movie that I predicted. Even though I didn't I didn't predict a lot. You predicted a much better plot than I did. The big thing for me that I just didn't like was why is she looking for an exciting life? Her sister lives in Colombia and her husband was murdered by drug lords. She already has excitement in her life. That it but shouldn't have been her, her sister. Life. That's her sister's life. I know, but still, I don't like how close it was. I would have liked a totally separate plot. Really? Where she's not connected to it. She's just an innocent party that gets swept up in it. I would have, yeah, I would have liked more of the antagonistic relationship with her and Michael Douglas. But yeah, so my own movie. What about you? I agree. I would pick my own movie too. I like the idea of Michael Douglas and Danny DeVito knowing each other like why do we need ira why can't we have these two guys together i like the idea of them getting swept up the throwaway gambling line i think that would have been a better movie and there could have been a treasure map maybe someone (laughs) threw that on the craps table you know like how much is it worth it could be priceless I don't know if they'd accept that in a casino. I think they should honor that bet. I think more people need treasure maps in their lives. Well, now that you told me you're going to carry around a fake treasure map. Who said it's going to be fake? Yeah, I think the movie we predicted would have been better. Yeah. All right. Well, this was uh, disappointing, especially coming (laughs) after Mission Impossible, which we loved. But this is a classic. We could scratch it off the list. Very true. I'm glad I watched it at least. And I'm sure in its time... It was great. And now if I watch that Alvin and the Chipmunks episode, <laughs> I'll get all the references. And as always, I'm Patrick. And I'm Ellie. Hope you see you Bye. Hope you Hope you Reverse sequels.